Welcome to the Healthy Family Project by Produce for Kids, covering the hot topics in the world of health, food, and family with a dose of fun. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Amanda. Welcome to this episode of the Healthy Family Project, where we are talking about distance learning. Um, Don't this again. I know I say this all the time. Stress-free zone. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to keep it to the basics of what we need to do to make the best of this time and keep our kids moving forward. Um, Don't forget Healthy Family Project. We have our Facebook group, uh, which is really important at this time. We have lots of families interacting over there, asking questions. Um, And our guest today is a member of the Facebook group as well. Um, So she will be over there continuing this conversation Um, in the group. So today we are talking with Tanya Acosta, who is first and foremost, one of my best friends. Um, We've known each other, you know, I moved to Orlando and met her soon after uh, moving to Orlando. And she has always been there for me, whether, you know, whatever it might be, but especially in the education department. Um, You know, when I've had questions about what my kids are, are facing or how she's a amazing when it comes to advocating for students. I know as an educator, um, she worked with many parents, you know, so that they could understand what options they had for kids who are in different situations. Um, she's helped a lot of, you know, people in my world that she she didn't even know. Um, so just a great person in general, but also a crazy, amazing background. So she has worked in the education field in different variations for about 16 years. Um, And she is certified in elementary education, K through six, exception education, which is special needs, K through 12. And she has a reading endorsement for grades K through 12. Um, So she's worked in the elementary capacity for most of her career as a classroom teacher and ESE teacher. She spent four years as a reading um, MTSS coach and working with teachers and training them on reading instruction and how to implement interventions for their students. So just about, you know, a little bit of everything. Plus, she's the mom of, of two boys. Um, and so with all of that, we're hoping today that we can kind of walk through what this distance learning landscape looks like for us um, as parents and families and see what we can, what tips we can get. So, all right. I know I'm ready to get some info. So let's get started. Hi, Tanya. It's so wonderful to have you on the show today. For many, we've just received news that school will be canceled for the remainder of the year. And I think we all knew that announcement was coming, but I guess just hearing it and seeing it in writing, it just made it very real. And I know that um, I had a hard time with it. Um, I don't know that my third grader had the, had a super hard time with it. She was just kind of like, okay, but uh, definitely my middle schooler, eighth grader, um, was was pretty devastated. So we are excited to have you on today because with school cancellations, that means that distance learning continues. Um, so I know that you have an extensive background in schools in different settings. So wanted to really pick your brain um, and see if we can get some tips and tricks to take us through the, the end of the year. And really, you know, who knows, maybe 
these are, I'm sure, things that we can carry on into next year when we're back in school. And, and hopefully this doesn't happen again, but just in case, you know. So welcome, Tanya. We're, you know, excited to have you. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, yeah, the news is definitely unfortunate in so many ways. I am, you know, fortunately, I'm staying home right now. So I think um, for me, it's a little bit different. But my heart goes out to parents that are working full time and having to work with their kids in this facet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't imagine because my kids do overwhelm me at times with the amount of work they have to do and what they have to complete and just work habits because it's different at home than when they're in a school setting. Like no matter what, we can't change that part of it. Um, but also my heart goes out to families with graduating students and or kids transitioning from, you know, school to school. There's just so many things that kids are missing out on, um, especially like our traditions and the graduation and prom, I felt like were huge things I looked forward to when I was a senior in high school. I know, right? I keep putting myself back in, I think that's like part of the, um, you know, like breaking my heart because I keep putting myself back into that position. And it's like, oh, wow. If someone told me I couldn't do all of these things, I would be a mess. No, I completely agree. You know, uh, yeah, I, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the families too, because they're, they look forward to that opportunity with their child, like not even just the child, it's everyone. So it's, it's hard. Um, But I do think the positive is getting out of the grind that we got ourselves stuck in. And because I feel like for us, we had sports and Boy Scouts and music lessons and their individual sports lessons and concerts and shows. Like it was just like every day we were like running in and running out. So I don't miss that. And I feel like that's definitely something as a family we're going to take into consideration whenever it is that we go back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Right. Um, I just think the quality time has been better than what I thought it was going to be um, for us anyway. Um, but I think that is definitely a big positive. It's just the valuable time that well, family's having together. And just even out in the neighborhood, everybody's riding bikes together. They're going right. to together. Like you can, like I sat in the driveway um, and it's just, everybody's walking around and saying hi and they're smiling. Like it's just different. Like you didn't have that time before to enjoy your neighborhood. No, they had something had to force us into this, right? <laughs> Sadly. Um, but I hear you. I mean, we, you know, our family is also on the go all the time. And, um, you know, even the virtual dance classes have been, wor- uh, granted, we have a little bit of space that we've set up um, to make it work. But I have thought like, wow, I, I'm driving to dance class three nights a week. We could be just be doing this here on a Zoom call, you know, like, wow, that is just like mind blowing. But I agree with you. It's definitely a time of like reflection and really examining what my day looks like regularly. And granted, I prefer it to not look like what it looks like right now. <laughs> yeah. I need like a happy medium, but I'm with you definitely probably going to can examine everything that we're we're doing as far as extracurricular and those types of things. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. And I agree that like the kids' music lessons are online. 
So they literally sit there with the iPads, FaceTime, and their computers are open for the music, and they're with their keyboard or guitar in front of them, but they're getting it done, and I'm not going anywhere for them to do yeah. it. <laughs> right. All right. So let's jump in here. I think that for distance learning, a lot of people um, have, have want to know, like, what kind of space do I need? And I know it's different for everyone. So what are your thoughts? So, of course, like I said, taking into consideration, we don't have the same amount of space in our homes. We have apartments, condos houses, you know, now sharing space with extended family, you know, college students who might have returned home. And so like, what is a good optimum space? Because I know that's important for learning. I think the consistency of the space, like the child, every child needs some type of routine. And I know everybody's saying, oh, ignore the routines and ignore this. But there's the reason why they like going to school is that security and that sense of routine. And it's something they do and they know what to expect. Right. So n- trying not to shove them in any corner on any different day is best. Um, even if it's just at the kitchen table, because we all have like a kitchen table or a bar stool or like that, that's their space. Like you're going to wake up, do whatever you have to do and then sit in your space and like, let's get logged on, get your attendance done. Like, do what you got to do to get started. Um, and I think a big part of it is ergonomics, like how they're sitting and teaching them like proper placement for the keyboard. And especially for the younger kids that don't know, like wrists up and all of that, like to put, to roll a towel at the edge of the keyboard to rest their wrists on to avoid that like long-term damage. Right. And I would, I bought my sons because my older son struggles with headaches anyway. So I got him like on Amazon, cheap pair. I bought them both because, you know, you have to do for both. Um, but I got the blue light glasses that oh, way. Oh, I need to them. do that. Yeah. So I figured that would help with the headaches and with the long time staring of the screen. So they wear them every day and they, because one doesn't wear glasses and one does, but the right. old that doesn't is like so excited to have glasses. Well, and you know what we can do to share that link with me, that Amazon link, and we can add that to the show notes. So anyone listening who wants to grab those, which I will, um, can do so. And I literally bought a two back. It was like $13. And I just like, if it doesn't work, we'll return return it. Like Amazon's amazing with that. But um, they said it helped. So I mean, I don't use them and I'm not on the computer all day like them. But so I feel like whatever to have them complain less is worth it. (laughs) That's the truth. Um, But yeah, like for me, Personally, um, my kids had those cheap like Ikea desks. It's just like a table desk for them to do their Legos and whatever on. Mm -hmm. So I moved them into my living room because I need to watch my kids. They're not the independent. (laughs) I can do it on my own. I need to like physically see screens and see what they're doing and look at what they're doing. Um, And maybe it's just me because I slightly control things a lot. Um, But I just think that for me that worked and it's cluttering my space a little bit. but in the end, it's what works best because I didn't want it on my dining room table because we're appreciating the fact of like sitting and having dinner together every night. So it was like annoying to clear their stuff away and to put it back. Um, But that's why I also say have a bin to put their laptops in, to put their books in, to have like that way when they clean up when they're done, it all goes in a bin. And every day that bin is their go-to. Like I actually had extra like those cloth bins or whatever Mm -hmm. also. So I just lined up all my my older son is taking three high school classes. So those are humongous textbooks. So his bin's quite full. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So that way their pencils, their pens, like they have 
all supplies in their bins and on their desks and that's their space. That's a good idea. Whatever works for you. I do like the bin idea because that can work for anybody. And especially when you have them working in your space, like on the dining room table, that Mm -hmm. way it's, you can like at the end of the night, look at your house and not see school (laughs) everywhere. Right. Well, we have um, Trish on our team. She has her son. She, when we were talking about this episode, she said, I keep putting him in the space we set up to do his work, but he keeps like wiggling his way back into my office where she's, you know, working full time. Um, and she said, was, you know, thinking like, well, I'm not teaching him to be independent. And, and the, I told her, you know, hey, he's getting his work done there you know, what, but she was saying, please talk to her. Do I need to put him back into his own space? (laughs) I feel like if your child is capable of not interrupting your workday, I don't see any harm in it. Um, It's just what works best for you. And I honestly think it's like, we're in survival mode with this. Like, it's how can our day go smoothest? That way, by the end of this, I'm not spending my summer recovering from like, like having, being upset with my child all the time. Um, like you need to find the peace for your house and everybody's house is going to look different and how everybody does it is going to look different and that's okay. And if your kid's next to you and he's not bothering you, but they're working, I would have my kids sit next to me all day if he would just do his work. Right. (laughs) You know, not every kid is capable of doing that, but I, it's fine as long as they're independently working and it depends on how old they are. Like I, just because it's, like distance learning doesn't mean that they're capable of doing practices independently. Right. And that's where like they need to communicate with teachers and maintain that as well, because you can't take on the brunt of all that either. So just whatever works for you. All right. Perfect. So, all right. So we got the space down and now you're managing two boys distance learning at home. So how do you split the time? What does your schedule look like? You split your time between the two also manage to secure time for yourself to either work. I know you have several projects that you work on and then, you know, getting things taken care of around the house, feeling sane. Um, but so being that your boys are older, do you have like office hours you set for them when you're available or is it just kind of come to me whenever you need something? I've heard people setting time boundaries um, for older, you know, those older kids. I actually for Mia today, just designated, um, and I'm working full time, but I designated, um, but I'm able to shift my hours too. I can get some stuff done in the evenings, but I said from three to four, we're going to do a coffee with mom. And for that time, we can talk about schoolwork. If there's things you're missing, we can talk about like life stuff, or we can talk about what's, you know, on your mind. Um, Anyway, sorry, I'm kind of like rambling on. But no, what are you thinking about? I, like, that's what a great idea. I think, again, however it works for you, the way I do it is I sit down every morning with them and I go, CJ's my older son. So with him, I go through his grade book and his assignments and like, what are our goals for today? What's due by this date? What's like, we put in order what the day is going to look like and what assignments he has to complete that day. Mm-hmm. And then, so that kind of, he can work pretty independently but it's just to give him an outline. Okay. These are my goals for today. This is what I have to do. I have these calls at this time. So I know I can't work then. We like, we do lunch at the same time every day. And um, so we kind of keep a schedule like that. And I do basically the same thing with my younger one, his teachers assign every day. So we just look at what they assign for the day, what he has to do. And his, I make more of like a box. 
so he can check it when he's done. And his biggest struggle is writing. So I'm like, save writing for last. And that way I can sit with him. And since I am experienced and trained in how our county does writing, I can sit with him and actually teach him one-on-one because mm-hmm. that's what he currently needs. And I have the time to do that. But um, other than that, we just kind of have like a morning conference and what are your lists? What are we doing? And that way they have accountability for what they need to complete for the day. I like that. Yeah, that's how I've, Mia, I've been on her about her planner. She's, she's not the best at time organization, time management, Um, but she's really been working hard and every day um, I have her look through her work and map out what she needs to get done. Same thing. And so her planner has been full and she's really learning. So, hey, maybe another positive here. Um, you know, my non-time management child is learning, forced into learning how to, you know, independently manage that time, which I think is something a lot of kids, you get to college and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I know for me going to college now, just that we're having this conversation, it was like, oh, wait, I have no parents here. No one's telling me to go to class. And by the way, I did go to class. You know, just in (laughs) case anyone's wondering, um, I did go. But, um, you know, it's just like, oh, and I have to manage my time. And like there's office hours the same way right now with distance learning, the teachers have office hours. So I think this is giving really giving our kids a sneak peek into that kind of next next step, I guess. I don't know. So yeah, no, and even CJ takes lots of breaks during his time. So that's why in the morning when we check in, I'm like, okay, what questions do you have to ask what teacher? Like make sure you post them now. That way when they're in their office hours, they can respond to you and we can get that done. Right. At some point today. Right. Um, all right. So let's talk about we're talking about time here. So I know every school district is different, but you know, over in the Healthy Family Project Facebook group. And I know conversations, I have friends across the U.S. like you as well. And there's just different people saying, oh, my kids spend two hours on schoolwork. And then, you know, my kids are spending more like five hours. And I'm like, okay, is that, are we doing something wrong? Or do we have too much work? And so is there a magic number for students? Like what, how much time should they be spending? And of course, this is kind of a hard question because all students learn differently and at different speeds. But what are you thinking? Yes. Um, I think that, yeah, it's very specific to the child. And I think we need to try our best to not put a restraint on them. Like you have to have this done in an hour because I feel like that right there starts the anxiety and the stress mm-hmm. for them. And this is already a stressful situation for them. Um, and there's lots of data out there that show like you should only give this amount of work or you should only give this. But the time in which the kids complete the work is completely different because um, you have kids that are English language learners or special needs or are just having difficulty in reading comprehension. So it takes them like twice as long. Mm-hmm. So you can't hold that against your child and expect them to work within the norm. Like everything's the bell curve. So you have kids that can do it really fast and you have kids that can do it really slow. And then you have most that are within that broad range of average but um I just I think honestly you just have to know your kid and if reading takes them two hours then you might have to break that up for them I just feel like the amount of work 
could be the same for five kids and it'll take five kids five different times to complete the work. Um, so I just think you, it's just knowing your own kid and modifying what they're being given to make them the most successful and feel successful because at the end they need to complete it and feel some kind of success still as if they were in the classroom. Right. So it really comes down to that. I wouldn't, and communicate with the teachers. That's huge. Like if you feel like, if you know your kid is struggling and they're having a hard time, like teachers are still working, like they're still being paid to be teachers. So take your time to communicate with them as a parent and advocate for your kid that it's taking them this long, like things might be late and whatever. And most teachers are pretty, are responding pretty positively to, to those things, because as long as the parents are engaged and communicating with them or the child is, um, that is a tremendous help. And even teaching the kids to advocate for themselves. Like this is a great opportunity to do that. Like they can email the teacher and you can work with them on how to email and what to say. Like, I'm really struggling with this or like even my one son had a reading comprehension question and I taught English and I didn't really know what she was trying to ask. So I was like, just email her and she explained it for him and we were able to get to the answer. So it's just, and not getting stuck. Kids get stuck. Watch out for that. Yes. See a problem and they sit there for an hour on Mm -hmm. one problem. So be aware of that too. And that move on and we'll go back to it and send an email to your teacher asking about that question because that was like the first week I realized with CJ, like he was getting stuck and not doing anything. And it was taking forever because he was stuck. So just be on yeah. things like that. But there really is no magic number for anyone because we're, we're all so different. Well, on that note too, I know I had to force myself to take some time. Um, and again, I'm lucky to have a job that I'm able to kind of take a pause and step away from my desk. And, um, but you know, I think it was a big learning curve for even both of my kids are so outgoing, but they didn't want, even though their teacher posted office hours, they didn't want to bother their teacher. Like they would maybe send an email, but the teachers kept saying, I'm available for a call or I'm available for a video chat, you know? And I, it took a long, like, I say a long time right now, everything feels like a long time, but like it took over a week for me to get them to understand especially for Mia, who's in eighth grade, you know, like she's asking her friends questions. And I'm like, you have a teacher who's sitting mm-hmm. there who is a vi- available to you. Like, why not take advantage of that one-on-one, you know? And some of the teachers too, because I don't know a lot of eighth grade, the eighth graders who are like, yeah, let me jump on a video chat with my teacher. Um, but the ones I have kind of forced her into to talking through. She's done really well on the assignments and the teachers were happy to see her and happy to interact and have that, um, you know, person to person. So I think we're slowly getting there. Um, you know, with no, all I that. agree hundred percent with that. Cause even CJ in that first week, um, was like, I don't want to ask that question. I'll feel stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. Well, you need to complete it. And I can't yeah. like define what your teacher's asking for. So you need yeah. to ask questions. That's what they're there for. You'd raise your hand in class or call them over to ask a question. It's the same thing. You're just doing it through the computer. Right. Well, so I keep hearing people say that, you know, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but it's okay for parents to lower their expectations and not have, you know, schedules like you said said about schedules and you know everyone's dealing with level of stress and uncertainty and I'm totally okay with lowering expectations right now. That's cool. But 
the girl, the work the girls are getting, um, and still goes in their grade book. I mean, I know some, I've heard some places in the Northeast have moved to a pass fail. Um, when on the fence on that, my thoughts on that, I haven't really, um, but you know, for us, our the expectations from our district haven't lessened. <laughs> like I could lower my expectations, but the grades still have to be turned in and I don't know. So what are you, what are your thoughts? Again, probably because I have an educational background, I slightly differ. I think we still need to have a high expectation of our child. I think if anything, we can use this moment to teach them that things happen in life and we can't control it, but you have to continue on and you have to move on. Mm -hmm. We can modify by allowing different times to do it. If your kid's a night person, allow them to work later. They don't have to work during the day. Like you can modify things. But I think as far as expectations, like for me, I personally still expect high quality work to be completed. Like it will not be turned in until it's high quality work. And I can't check every assignment, obviously, but um, I don't think that expectation has changed. But I do email the teachers if we're running late on things and I communicate with them for those types of things. But um, I think there is a flexibility that we're allowed to have. And the modification is different than the expectation. And I still expect them to do the right thing. Right. I, I think I'm, I'm, on, I'm on your page too. I think that you stated that really well, that it's more about a modification than an expectation. So if you can modify, you know, that makes, that'll make things probably feel easier I hope <laughs> no yeah and it's accommodating to your you can for the first time accommodate to the educational need and my kids don't function great first thing in the morning so we don't start all day till like 9 nine thirty, and that's fine that's what works for us but some kids have their some people have their kids starting at seven thirty o'clock as if it was a school day and you know we stay up late we'll watch a movie at night so those are things that we're changing and we're adapting our day to that right. so it's not like we're perfect and the way I do it might not work for everybody either. So I think, again, it always comes down to what works best for your family and how you can get it to go without the stress and the headache of it all. Right. All right. So let's talk about retaining what we're learning during this distance learning time period. Um, You know, I've had different people talk about, you know, how is it even possible for these kids to move into their next grade level with ease when you know, this has just kind of been thrown upon us. Um, and I even know several uh, moms in my, you know, whether it be a Facebook group or whatever group online um, have expressed that they're going to hold their kids back next year. And, you know, because they fear they'll be behind and do them an injustice by pushing them on when they're not prepared. I guess keeping in mind different school districts are offering different levels of support and learning too. This is another one of, I mean, I feel like all of these topics are like so different across different school districts, but anyway, what are your, what are your thoughts? I know it's a hard one. Um, I think practice is always good. I think a lot of the work that they're getting is busy work just to make sure that they're working and they're doing, it's still standards based. It's still hitting what they're supposed to be working on. And most of the teachers for my kids have been actually grading them and giving them feedback. So that's been helpful. 
Um, so as far as what they're specifically retaining during this time, I think that depends on the child and the effort that they're putting in. And if they're actually trying to work through it and understand it. And, and if they have the teacher or parent support, of course, that's a help. As far as actually retaining the child as a grade level, that's a really complex question. Um, especially, okay, here in Florida, which I feel like we've discussed before, um, like we only had nine weeks left in the school year when this started. I can't imagine dismissing the other three quarters that they've already done for one quarter, especially when the fourth quarter is primarily testing. Like they would have gone back to school and any student third grade and up starts FSA testing. So they would have been testing for writing, for reading, for math, for science, for everything. And then the EOCs at the middle school and high school level, like there's so much testing going on. Like what are they really retaining anyway in that quarter? And this is coming from an educator. Like as a teacher, it's hard to make sure that they know what they're doing and that you're still teaching during that time because you're being moved around. Like the last quarter is a really hard quarter no matter what. So I honestly feel like it's the best quarter for something like this to happen in. Um, I do think, so I, that's the retention. I think that if your child's behind a lot, like a year or two behind academically, then there's a question for retention. If it's not that big of a difference, I wouldn't really worry about it because everybody's going to be in the same situation next year. So all teachers are going, like all districts are going to have to look at what the kids missed and how they're going to review it in the beginning of the year before they start the actual curriculum. So I think that is going to have to be part of it. Hopefully local districts are able to look at that and are able to modify next school year to accommodate what they've missed this school year. Um, but on the side note of that, I also think people need to be aware, especially in the state of Florida, that our children are still going to be taking their end of the year assessments. I know. So, <laughs> one, they still have to take it for ninth grade English. They still have to take it. Like they still have to take these end of the year testing and they might not be taking it till October. So that's where it goes back to like that work expectation. Like they need to do the work. Like they need to be accountable for it because they're, they have, it's a graduation requirement here. So they have to take that test to graduate. So I think a lot of people thought that since they canceled the end of the year testing that, well, for here in Florida, that it was a shoe and that they would just move on, but it's not that way. And by some people, you mean my eighth grade daughter, Mia. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, oh, I didn't even find this out. So like yesterday, like I thought they were going to be exempted. And then um, a friend of mine had stopped by for something yesterday. And she's like, oh, no, they're going to be good to know. I feel like I just found that out myself. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But like you said, I feel like. They, I mean, everybody's in the same boat. So I think they have to take this into consideration this time period. And I think parents of kids in other school districts and other states need to ask these questions because I didn't think to ask that question. And um, so you need to know what the next steps are, especially like, you know, again, with kids that are taking high school classes that are graduation requirements, like what are they doing and what are they going to be held accountable for besides right. the grades? Right. Yeah. I think that, like you said, it's, I mean, I know we're all busy with our stuff, but I think that 
we're just going to have to, as parents, I know you've said, be an advocate for your kids a couple of times and really take that to heart and, and not, not jump into, well, they missed this part of the year. So I'm holding them back. Like really evaluate where your kid is, um, you know, where they're performing at what level and, and look to the school for any resources they might have to help you because there will be resources. I know that there has to be all, no matter what school district you are in. Um, I think they're going to put a lot of things in place to help us recover and get back into the mix of things. Yeah. And like, I don't know if they'll like do summer school, but I hope they offer some kind of tutoring or something and, just like for the kids to check in or just, I don't know, something. Yeah. All right. I don't want my kids to go to school over the summer. I was yeah. just going to say, be careful what you wish for, but I, I hear you. <laughs> no, especially for like that they have to take the algebra. Like I want some kind of review every week until they have to take the test. Yeah. They can't go four or five months without taking anything. Oh, that would be bad. Uh, uh, you know, math is not a strong suit over here in our house. And so, um, I feel having that gap in time would mm-hmm. be pretty rough to have the summer with no, no work, algebra work going on, and then be expected to take that yeah. test would be tough. So I know we're talking a lot about having, you know, a parent or parents at home available. The kids have access to them. They're working from home. I have many friends in, you know, that I know who are doctors, nurses, and other essential workers who cannot be home with their kids to help with distance learning during the day. Um, you know, who have teenagers at home who are helping with the younger ones. Um, you know, it's like the Wild West really right now. What advice do you have for these parents who aren't able to be there all day? How do they check in? How do they know what to devote their time to looking at and cross-checking and maybe questions to ask to help keep these kids on track? Again, I would communicate with the teachers and I would let them know their situation. Like, I am a frontline worker or I'm a nurse, whatever doctor, whatever you do, send an email to the teachers and like, this is our situation at home. Um, like, I know I need to help my child and I'm going to do that the best that I can, but they really need your help during the day to keep them motivated, to keep them going. Like, how would that look like with you? Or how could you help do something like that? And then as the parent, I just think they're going to be exhausted at the end of the day. I don't, I feel like just see what work they're doing and what they're not doing and like remind them and just have conversations, but don't stress yourself out. Like your day's stressful enough and you don't want that time with your kids to be school, 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 school either. Like this is where that modifying can happen and um, just constantly communicate with your child too and let them understand like it's, it's not fun but you have to be more accountable for what you're doing during the day. Like you need to help out, you know, mommy or daddy, like whoever the single parent or grandparents out, like whoever is their guardian and really they should communicate with the teachers and let them know and just say like, it's hard and what has to be done. Cause a lot of these assignments don't have to be done. They're not being graded. So they can also ask questions like what exactly is being graded that has to be turned in that I have to hold them accountable for versus just the work that they're doing as a preview or as a whatever. Mm -hmm. So those are questions that they can ask. That's good. Yeah, definitely communication with your teacher. If you're out there as an essential worker, 
at this time. Um, I think that teachers, you know, are, are in their office hours ready to answer and ready to help parents as what I have like kind of witnessed so far with my interaction with teachers and the kids interaction with teachers. So I think that's probably the big takeaway there is just to really, you know, share your situation and keep on top of just those key items that you need to make sure are turned in. So yeah, definitely don't be afraid to ask what's being graded, like what, because that'll help decrease your stress, decrease your stress. And you can still have them do that work, but like this has to be done first. And then when you're done with all of this, you can do this kind of thing. Yeah. So you can set up their day. Okay. So you're a new guest on the podcast. Um, so I get to ask you this question that I've been asking to all of our new guests. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just fun to hear what everyone thinks. Um, what do you think being a healthy family means? Uh, it's such a big <laughs> question. <laughs> all my questions today are like, <laughs> not, e- not easy. <laughs> um, I think to my family, being healthy, um, we take all the facets of health um, to consider it like to be healthy. Um, of course, eating healthy, um, drinking water. We're huge. Like we don't even have juice in our house. I think we bought it now because we felt bad during the quarantine. Um, but we are big water drinkers. Um, and the kids know to drink half their body weight in water a day. Um, just for skin health. Cause you know, CJ's hitting that acne age and I don't want him to have bad acne. I know it's being, but I, no. I worry about it. Um, but I, a huge component for us, I would say, is the mental health aspect. Is like it's such a different world today, and um, we just like try to come together at some point every evening or whatever, and just talk to the kids and like what's going on in your lives and what's going on in your days. Like, who are you hanging out with? Like, what type of people are they? Um, just taking that time to know them and to know what they're struggling with. Cause I mean, it's honestly gotten to a point where there was a point where CJ needed help beyond what we could help him. And we did that for him to help him through a time in his life. And we would do it again if we had to, but I don't think you can be healthy physically if you're not healthy mentally. That's for sure. um, I think for us and because of things we have going on in our family, it's just, that's a huge thing for us right now is, you know, being healthy is overall and a strong weight for us is on mental health. Yeah, I hear you. And we, we've talked a lot on the podcast. I know that at Produce for Kids, we talk a lot about what we're putting into our bodies, which is very important. <laughs> it is very, and that is, I'm not even saying that that's it's completely together, all of the pieces. Yeah. But, you know, we talk on many episodes about mental health and how to manage all of that. And it, you know, if, if you are mentally healthy, you can, or you're probably going to make better decisions on what you're putting into your body too. I can, I can vouch for that. Let me tell you, <laughs> cause I've had, I've had not a great week. I'm okay with saying that this is like roller coaster, but you know, my past Even like week has not been time like where, and I'm not the healthiest person. I'm going to say that. But I think during this time when I hear parents like, we're just letting our kids eat whatever and all day long and they can have whatever. Like, this isn't summer vacation. I saw a quote and it was like, this is not summer vacation. 
you're not homeschooling your child. Like, like you just need to survive, but yeah, <laughs> get rid of all the norms and just be like, well, we're quarantined. Like, no, yeah. like go outside and, you know, we go every night for a bike ride and I'll walk because I don't ride a bike anymore. But um, like, we're all just out there trying to get movement and be healthy exercise. And, yeah. you know, we're looking up recipes and trying new ways to cook vegetables and things like that. So the kids are more involved. So it, it it's overall, but I'd say for our family, a big focus is on mental health. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Tanya is actually part of our Healthy Family Project Facebook group. So um, we're going to talk it through, but um, want to continue this conversation over there. So if you have any specific questions for her, you can ask. Um, we'll link up to everything in the show notes or you can go over to the Facebook group. Um, thank you so much, Tanya, for sharing such great tips and ideas for families. Um, before we close things out, do you have any other final tips or thoughts for parents before we say goodbye? Um, no, I think just remember that we're all in this in the same situation. and. We're all having positives and negatives to it. Don't be too hard on yourself. And as long as you're doing the best you can with what you have and the time you have, because as you said before, some parents have such limited time, like it's okay. Like it'll all be okay. Well, that was great. I know I'm feeling a little bit better, um, you know, about this distance learning, knowing that I feel like I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. And also remembering, like Tanya said, I am definitely doing the best that I possibly can at this time, as I know, you know, we all are. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, remember the Facebook group, come on over there to interact. And then also we have lots of great content, uh, relevant content, you know, whether it be long lasting fruits and vegetables or, you know, how to talk with teens during this time, how to kind of explain situation and definitely a lot of different good ideas, uh, pantry staples and different recipes. Um, we know there are fewer trips to the grocery store, really taking that into consideration with all of our content. Be sure you're following us on Instagram. We're regularly posting over there there as well. So if you like the Healthy Family Project, please tell a friend, um, you know, leave us a rating. It will only help our visibility so we can continue to create a healthier generation. If you want to tweet with me direct, I'm at Amanda M. Kiefer on Twitter, and you can find Produce for Kids on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Talk soon. Talk soon.